Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends and neighbors. This is the Bill Press Pod, and we welcome you to it, especially right now when there's so much to talk about. In back-to-back rulings, the Supreme Court first made it easier to carry a concealed weapon, eroded the wall of separation between church and state, and made it almost impossible for a woman to decide her own health care, plan her own family, or control her own body. Meanwhile, Congress passed the first gun control bill in decades, which President Biden immediately signed into law, but how good is it? And the January 6th committee held two more hearings exposing the pressure that Donald Trump put on leaders of the Justice Department and on state election officials to break the law and allow him to stay in the White House. So what does all of this mean as we head into the midterm elections of 2022? Congressman Ruben Gallego, a former Marine combat veteran, now representing Arizona's 7th Congressional District, has been right in the middle of all of these issues. He takes time out today to join us on the Bill Press Pod. Congressman Gallego, good to connect with you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bill Press Pod. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, so let's start with the biggest news of the last few days, Congressman, the Supreme Court ignoring 50 years of history, basically making women second-class citizens by a 6-3 vote. Uh, What do you think the impact is of this uh, Supreme Court decision? Well, I mean, the impact is that we basically just told 50% of the population of the United States uh, that they no longer have control over their bodies, their decisions, that the government gets to make decisions for them that are very private, uh, that they're going to have to live with for you know, a long time. This decision is going to end up harming women. It's going to be end up killing women. It's going to end up putting in jail doctors and nurses that are just trying to help women. And um, this, what does this mean for Arizona particularly? Well, Arizona right now, we know that all the uh, Planned Parenthood uh, and other kind of abortion clinics have stopped doing services, trying to figure out what they legally can and can't do. Legislative session just ended. So 90 days from now, an abortion ban uh, after 15 weeks with no exception for rape or incest will go into effect, which will essentially you know, force women to give birth uh, you know, without their volition. And no doubt the governor would sign it, right? He, he already has signed it. As a matter of fact, he signed it and then was bragging about how uh, you know, his state is is the toughest against choice. Uh, I noticed on your website, Congressman, you said that uh, you not only opposed this decision, disagreed with it, but that you would do whatever in your power as a member of Congress uh, to make the uh, effect of the decision null and void or to help toward that. What do you th- what can Congress do? What can the president do? Is there anything they can do other than, you know, getting more votes on the Supreme Court? Well, look, I do think like we have an opportunity to, again, we have the votes. We need to take the votes and we need to break the filibuster. Uh, 
Why are mm. we using again an anachronistic law rule of the Senate that's not even in the Constitution of the United States uh, that's been traditionally used to uphold Jim Crow laws uh, to turn around and deny women their opportunity for safe and legal uh, abortions? It's not, uh, and it's a hard it's a hard time right now for us to really communicate to women when we say we're here with you, but we're really not doing anything we can legally to make sure they have access to safe and legal abortion. I also think that we have to look at where else uh, can some of, can we, uh, can we give women the opportunity to have safe and legal abortions um, even in the red states? Like, can we team up uh, in, you know, on federal uh, property? Um, We know Mm -hmm. that at least from um, a lot of what we've seen so far from the, the courts that they do understand there's a separation between federal property and, and state property. And why couldn't we have, uh, you know, some uh, clinics uh, on some of this federal property. Uh, we also need to make sure that uh, women have the opportunity to travel out of state uh, to you know, get uh, abortion or abortion services. And also that we should look at uh, making sure that we have the ability to send people, uh, you, know, uh, you know, pills, abort- aborted pills that would help mm-hmm. them have safe and legal abortions over the mail. Do you believe that this particularly, uh, and we'll talk about guns in just a second, but particularly this abortion decision will motivate women, motivate independents, motivate particularly suburban women to vote in the midterms? Well, I think it will, but you have to make the argument that we're actually going to do something about it. And I think we have to be careful uh, with how we talk about it right now, because if we say like, you know, elect us to... um, to uh, protect Roe v. Wade, but we're not willing to break the filibuster, we're going to end up being caught, not in a lie, but, but I would say people are going to say that we're, we're purposely um, uh, using this as a, as a political tool when we're not actually fixing said mm-hmm. problem. Uh, and so I think when we have to say, like, please elect more Democrats so we can overcome a filibuster, I think is what we should be really being realistic about. Uh, and I think it's also incumbent upon the leadership of uh, the party to say that we that is our goal uh, to say this have this nebulous saying that well if you elect us things will get better uh, but then it doesn't happen you're actually only creating uh, more uh, apathy out there among voters and it's not just by the way suburban women that that we should be targeting these are young urban women that tend mm-hmm. not to vote in, in mid year elections that are going to be the most energized and most affected by this uh, and uh, but again they're a very smart voting group and if we don't talk about this correctly, then you're just going to feel like this is just another political tool. Right. You know, uh, you mentioned the filibuster. Um, of course, one of the two senators in the uh, Democrats in the Senate that has stood in the way of uh, amending or ending the filibuster is your own senator from Arizona. Is she getting any pressure from Democrats in Arizona to change her opinion? I don't believe she is at this point. Um, I think things will start shifting in that direction. But um, at this point, I feel her and Senator Manchin are kind of flying under the radar where they're both saying they support Roe v. Wade. They'll do anything to yeah. try to yeah. help women. But the one thing they have real power to do right now is um, is to break the filibuster and pass current Roe v. Wade protections. So they should really you know, follow, uh, you know, follow what they're saying and, and actually do something about it. So, Congressman, in another big recent Supreme Court decision, uh, this one, a New York state case regarding uh, guns, the Supreme Court basically ruled 
that states don't have the right to pass any regulations on the carrying of concealed weapons. Now, what do you think is the impact of that decision? Well, I think, again, this is the, a Supreme Court that is um, uh, appointed by, uh, you know, by presidents that, that have won uh, their offices by, uh, you know, a, a minority of voters uh, or by machinations such as, you know, holding up Merrick Garland's uh, mm-hmm. election. Uh, that um, are really the goal is to you know turn the the clock back when it comes to the kind of progressive uh, movement of the country that was moving more and more towards sane uh, gun uh, regulations, gun safety regulations, um, or even when it comes to issues of choice or voting rights. Uh, and so this this Supreme Court is not uh, there to really uphold individual rights. It's really there to uphold uh, really conservative Republican values that they can't win at the ballot box. So they're going to just legislate it from the judge, the judge's bench. Yeah. In fact, uh, Senator Warren was quoted this weekend as saying that the Supreme Court has lost all legitimacy. Do you agree? I think at this point, the way that they're heading is that, yeah, they're, they're losing legitimacy. Um, you know, I think we have an opportunity to, to figure out where they really are uh, by passing you know, legislation uh, that really will, will, I think, challenge where they are. So we, you know, we know that they believe that every state has a right to to decide about choice. But what happens when we pass a federal Roe v. Wade uh, uh, standard across the country? What's the Supreme Court going to do? Same with, you know, real gun reform, uh, gun safety legislation. If, if you see the Supreme Court coming and weighing in there, uh, I think that's when we can definitely say that they've lost legitimacy. Right. Uh, certainly, you can no longer, it, it seems, you can no longer say that the Supreme Court is above politics. No, absolutely not. Well, if you look at what they've been, if they were, they've been trying to do with like the, the, I think it's called the docket, sh- the shadow docket, mm-hmm. uh, where they're you know purposely pulling up legislation or push, purposely pulling up uh, cases that uh, you know really have no, uh, have not gone through the full process uh, through the the, the courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to effectively rule from the bench without actually going through a public hearing, uh, it tells you a lot about where they're going. And what sure, they're, going. they're looking they're looking for the cases that advance the uh, GOP or the Trump agenda, right? Or their agenda, whatever the agenda it is, whatever agenda. All right, so back to the gun issue. Uh, the uh, the Senate did vote sixty five to thirty three uh, to pass a compromise a gun safety bill. Uh, immediately passed by the House. The president has now signed it into law. Uh, you voted for it, but this is a far cry from what you and other Democrats were asking for, uh, Congressman. Is this bill good enough? Look, it's no, the bill's not good enough, but you also never let, um, you never let uh, perfect be the enemy of, of good. And uh, we're dealing with a historic uh, mountain that we're trying to climb. Again, I think that uh, something like the filibuster really creates an environment where instead of real compromise, you end up having these types of, you know, small incremental changes. Um, I'm hoping that it does do the, the, what it's supposed to do. I'm hoping it does reduce gun violence. Uh, I think there could have been done more done, but, uh, you know, you're dealing with a reality where you have a Democratic Senate that has handcuffed itself in terms of their power to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um what a lot of people are wondering that on the issue of the age of buying an assault weapon, right? It seemed 
that raising the age limit from 18 to 21, which, which as you know, was done in Florida under Republican Governor Rick Scott, was a no-brainer. Why wasn't that included? Well, I think, again, because they, they couldn't get the votes. Um, and they could get the votes if they didn't have the filibuster. But clearly, yeah. they decided to put that off to pasture and ended up giving a minority of senators more outsized power to a legislation to the legislation, even though the Senate is, you know, controlled by the Democrats. What would you like to see in a in a, let's say, comprehensive gun safety bill? What would you include? If you want to do a comprehensive gun safety bill that you would still have, I believe, buy in from Republicans uh, and and still have universal appeal, you can do a uh, universal background check that has to really deals with the ghost buyers, uh, the person to person sell sales, um, the type of people that really you will crack down on straw man, uh, straw, straw, purchase, straw purchasers. Right. And that's going to be, that could be extremely, uh, important, um, crack down, uh, and sorry, regulate, uh, who are the prohibited possessors, uh, such as, you know, people that have engaged in domestic violence in the past, people that, um, have exhibited violence uh, in general, uh, and then you know making sure that you're going uh, through some really deep uh, background checks, including psychological uh, 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 psychological evaluations for those that you know can potentially be uh, red flags. Uh, you also uh, can at least do some waiting periods uh, for certain weapons to make sure that people aren't using it in a fit of fury to go and. Uh, you know, shoot uh, as many people as possible, as you saw in Uvalde, uh, raising the age limit uh, for you to buy certain types of weapons, right? Such as the semi-automatic assault rifle that was used by the shooter uh, in Uvalde, uh, moving that up to 21. Uh, and then also class, like actually having classification of the difference between a assault rifle such as the AR-15 and your normal hunting rifle, because they're treated the same, even though one is clearly designed to kill as many human beings as possible, the other one uh, is not. And then put a lot of money behind, uh, you know, again, back to back, background checks and police investigations of gun crimes. Uh, how about a, a ban, outright ban on assault weapons? Well, again, that's why I kind of said, you know, this is what you could do to, that, to do as a compromise. Um, mm -hmm. I think you can do it, but the question is like, if you want to do it to the point where you can have buy-in from, you know, Democrats and Republicans, uh, then I think you'd have to kind of settle for uh, something like that. And outright ban, I think it is workable, but again, you have to make sure that we clarify the difference between an assault rifle and a hunting rifle, because right now they're treated the same. Right. Um, are you worried about, uh, some Democrats have been critical of this passage of this bill. Uh, in the argument that it only helps the Republican Party say, hey, look, you know, we're, we're reasonable. We did something about gun control when, in fact, they really didn't do all that much. So that basically gets them off the hook in the midterms on the gun control issue. You're worried about that? No, I look, I think for people that this is a very salient issue there, they've already made the decision who to support. Um, I think we need to do our uh, the best that we can in the meantime uh, to reduce the harm that comes from gun violence. Uh, so we shouldn't really let political calculations, I think, of that nature to come into play. I'm not going to hold up bills just to be 
uh, to try to give myself some type of political uh, advantage. And, uh, you know, especially when it could potentially save some lives. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. And the other reason, unfortunately, I'm not worried about that is because this issue is not going away. There's mm-hmm. going to be more shootings. There's consistently more shootings uh, in our streets uh, all the time. Uh, there'll unfortunately be, I think, more uh, massacres. Uh, so I don't think that this is going to be uh, ever an issue that we're just going to be able to drop right away. It's going to take a long time for us to undo the harm of years of years of NRA control of government. Uh, and on that point, Congresswoman, let's say we're going to take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. Uh, please hold with us. We'll come back and get into some of the other issues of the day in just a moment. And today's podcast is brought to you by the Iron Workers Union of North America under the leadership of President Eric Dean. The iron workers say the sky's the limit, and boy, do they mean it. You look at most of America's iconic structures, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Sears Tower, the Arch in St. Louis, the New World Trade Center, all built by iron workers. Check out their website, ironworkers.org, to find out more about their great work. We salute the iron workers of America and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back here on the Bill Press Pod. Our guest today, Congressman Ruben Gallego, who is the four four times now, uh, four terms, uh, representing Arizona's 7th Congressional District, former Marine combat veteran, now Democratic member of Congress. Well, so, Congressman, uh, the January 6th committee uh, has been very, very busy and holding some very um, highly publicized and very controversial public hearings. Uh, What do you see as the um, impact so far of the January 6th committee hearings and what what we've learned from them? Well, I think the impact is that we have refocused uh, the public's attention into the understanding what happened on January 6th and how dangerous it was a situation and how actually not random it was that this was a planned uh, insurrection that started very much from the top 
involved a lot of people and also involved a lot of people that that really were not um were not great they were not uh great courageous in profile <laughs> uh, for sure and um and i think there's going to be a lot more to, that's going to come out from there right uh do you do you believe that um the american people are paying attention or watching or Yes, I do, think they're, I do think they're paying attention. You can see the polling is showing that people understand the danger of this. You see people that are supporting, uh, a majority of people supporting that Donald Trump be uh, indicted uh, for for uh, the crimes committed uh, in January 6th. You see the polling uh, being uh, up there in terms of, I'm sorry, the, the, the viewership uh, being up mm-hmm. there uh, for you know something that only that happens during the day most of the time. So I do think there's interest in this. I think people are still scarred by what happened on January 6th. And I think they want to see answers. They want to see accountability. Certainly, these hearings have been unlike most congressional hearings. <laughs> and uh, and maybe we can thank or blame Kevin McCarthy for that, right? Well, I think, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans had an opportunity to have a fair hearing in, right. in, in the eyes of Trump by actually having some of their members sitting on there, but instead they tried to make a mockery of it by sending uh, at least one of the members that probably was asking for a pardon and was actually part in, you know, part of the, of the planning of uh, some of the problems on, on that day. Um, you know, they held out, they negotiated uh, for, for months. And then finally, when there was an agreement, they walked away from the agreement. So um, everything that's happening right now, is really because of, you know, Kevin McCarthy's really bad leadership on this issue. Right. Uh, and again, we keep coming back maybe to the same question. I, I did. Ask, you, you, you told us your belief that the American people are paying attention. Do you think this is one issue uh, that could have an impact uh, positive for Democrats in the midterms? Well, look, I think it's extremely important that if we, the messaging we need to go into the midterm is that the, the Democratic Party is the party that's going to protect your American rights. Uh, your, the right to you to make decisions uh, for your body, for your family, uh, mm-hmm. the right for you to determine your future when it comes to, uh, you know, politics, when it comes to who's going to govern, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. That's the kind of messaging that can be very powerful in an election year when we, ex- you know, when we actually can explain to people like, yes, we're going through problems right now. There's no denying that, you know, inflation is a problem and we shouldn't, uh, you know, minimize it. But, you know, the existential threat that comes from Republicans taking power, it, you know, is going to overcome, should overcome these like momentary inflationary pressures. It gets to the question that a lot of people are raising. Uh, what's the issue or, or, you know, what do you think is a, a greater danger, inflation or democracy, right? Or yeah, well, you, you, you could to our democracy. Right. You could, you could tamp down uh, inflation uh you don't you don't lose when once you lose democracies it's it's hard to to bring them back how effective do you think the democratic party is right now what uh in 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 the, getting that message out there i think right now we haven't been able to really pivot to that point um i think with what just happened last week with the conclusion uh of the january 6 hearings i think we're going to be able to kind of wrap that together into a strong message uh, but, you know, we need to get into campaign mode and really start pushing it. And I think then we'll have more success. Do you believe that uh, the committee will recommend to the Justice Department that they uh, that Donald Trump be indicted for uh, or whatever, for sedition or obstruction of justice or whatever? I, I don't know. Um, 
it's really hard, obviously, to tell everything from what I've seen. I think they should. But more importantly, there is a very empowered attorney general that could be doing that right now. Uh, yeah. who's seeing a lot of this uh, evidence uh, being set forth, mm -hmm. uh, who really can has the power to do that and should should execute that power. Uh, right. And I found it a little disturbing when the Congressman Adam Schiff, of course, is a member of the committee, uh, said in one of the Sunday talk shows that he had seen no evidence that Merrick Garland uh, does have such an investigation underway. Uh <laughs> Let's just hope Adam Schiff is wrong. So overall, looking at the midterms, we've talked about it. Are you optimistic that Democrats might be able to hold on to the House and Senate? I think I think if again, if we make the proper arguments, if we talk about protecting women's rights, your individual control of your body, your choice uh, and protecting democracy, I think we can put the argument together that, you know, you can't take your chances with Republicans. Mm hmm. Uh, one other issue that hasn't gotten a lot of attention lately, but I know that you've been, uh, uh, you've been uh, again, outspoken on this issue, uh, which, uh, I have always supported very strongly and that's the legalization of marijuana. Congressman, where no. are we on that issue? God, I mean, I've been for legalization of marijuana since 2012 when I was still, but you were a teenager, home. right? Yeah, not even, <laughs> not even, yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, look, I think it's we've 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 clearly made a lot of movement in the House. The Senate needs again to pick up. Like, why are we, uh, you know, wh why are we punishing people uh, for private use of uh, you know a drug that, if done if used properly, is no more harmful than alcohol? Um, it's you know we're throwing too many people in jail for this. We're ruining too many lives. Uh, we're you know empowering drug cartels. Uh, you know, that more than anything else, uh, you know, we, we, we pass, uh, medical marijuana, we passed not even medical marijuana, recurrent use marijuana a couple of years ago here in Arizona. And, you know, everyone swore up and down, that would be the end of Arizona, that crime would go up. Uh, yeah, exactly. They make that claim in every state, right? Right. That, crime would go up, the world would end and cats and dogs would be lying together or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, nothing of that sort has happened. Uh, you know, we're, uh, the state Arizona, Arizona state economy is still booming. You could barely find any place to live to live here in Arizona. Um, you know, it seems at least when it comes to uh, criminal use of marijuana, it's been taken out of the uh, shadows and and brought into a really well regulated market uh, to produce you know tax dollars. Uh, all the things that that we predicted would come would would happen happen, and all the things that the opposition predicted. What's going to happen did not happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw recently. Uh, I, I didn't have a chance to to um, really confirm uh, the fact, but I saw recently a mention that you have voted uh, with President Biden on issues in Congress one hundred percent of the time, Congressman. Um, oh, really? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> What's your overall impression of uh, the job Biden's doing? I think I think President Biden is doing a better job than he's communicating, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's where the 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 area that I think um, uh, Democrats just need to do in general is just do better communications about our successes. I mean, the fact that there is a big microchip plant being opened up right now in um, Ohio 
you know, he should be out there like every weekend talking about the microchip plant that's being built in Ohio. We got another microchip plant being built here in uh, Arizona. You have the the highest, uh, sorry, the lowest unemployment uh, in quite a while. You have still a growing economy. Uh, he has really been able to manage the Ukraine uh, conflict extremely well in very adept manner. Uh, and he's not getting credit for it because I think they aren't taking credit. So they need to figure out how to take credit. I think that also needs they need to get out there more. Um, I think we're losing the messaging war because you know there Biden is is very much focused on doing the job and not actually getting out there and talking about the job he's doing. But that's you know they they both go hand in hand. Right. So uh, I want to look ahead with you, uh, and you've been very generous with your time. Let's look ahead to uh, 2024. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, Arizona Democrats uh, have been suggesting that um, unless there's some really major changes in her political votes, that uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema should face a serious challenge in 2024, and you're the man to do it. What are your thoughts about that? Are you ready to announce today here on the Bill Press Pod? <laughs> <laughs> Good try, Bill. Appreciate it. Uh, look, my thoughts are very, 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 but always been straightforward. I'm going to focus on 2022. I want to make sure that we keep the House, keep the Senate. I want Senator Cinema to do better because uh, I'm a good American and I'm a good Arizonan. And I'm not going to wish my political career uh, based on other people's, um, you know, uh, downfall or, or, you know, more importantly, the consequences of, 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 mm -hmm. of bad actions. Um, and I'm going to make my decision based on the most important thing, which is I'm bet I'm, I'm going to make sure I can win that general. I'm not worried about, should I run, uh, if I'm going to be able to win a primary, uh, that's, that's not going to be the issue. The issue is like, is, will I be able to win, uh, the Senate seat, uh, and be able to be effective Senator? Uh, and then that's how I'll determine whether or not, uh, I'll be running. I think that's a good standard to go by, and we wish you luck, Congressman. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for all the, the great job you're doing, and thanks for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's uh, podcast with Congressman Ruben Gallego. Thanks to the good Congressman for joining us, and thanks to all of you for jumping on board as well. I hope you're having a good summer. And with the uh, July 4 weekend coming up, this week's roundtable will be on Thursday, not Friday. That's Thursday, June 30. Again, we have lots and lots to talk about with yet another January 6th committee hearing this week. Um, big surprises in store. We'll find out on the roundtable. Uh, that's on Thursday. Meanwhile, uh, take care. Be good. Be strong. Be sane. Be safe. And come back and see us on Thursday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.